I find that my memory is better with audio for obvious reasons, and I like to capture the sound of my kids, of the giggles, because I feel like everything is in that laugh, right? Everything can be reflected in the laugh of your kids. So I record audio of my kids laughing, you know, to remember um, what that feeling of being a dad is like. Two guys talking about their babies and supporting their ladies. Talking about the struggle, talking about Big Papa. Big Papas, talking music, welcome back y'all, it's the episode, uh, Dan and Pierre, we in the house, it's the podcast for modern dads and we're rappers. Oh! Hey, it's Big Papas, I'm Dan Worry Smith. I'm Pierre Hamilton, providing the beat, beat, yeah. beats, beats. Just coming at you with a song, a little preview of something that's about to top those charts. Yeah. Headed straight to the top of the pops. <laughs> I wish I could do a Casey Kasem impression. Oh, man. I love Casey Kasem. I'd rather just make a reference to it, and then you can imagine what that would sound like. Uh, Thanks for being with us for another episode of the pod. We are speaking to a musician a little later on, so we're going to get right into talking about how we uh, play music and introduce it to the lives of our kids. Uh, Pierre, you and I are both big music fans. In fact, the first time we met, I was a guest on your podcast, which was about music. Sound Considerations, it was called? Sound Considerations, I love that title. Totally illegal. Totally, totally illegal (laughs) podcast. You played a lot of tracks on there. Yeah, I did. Full tracks. I remember that the episode you had me on was called Sample Example, and we played um, a track that had sampled uh, an old song, and then we played the old song, and I think Shad had just released um, this song yeah i get it which sampled uh give me your love or sorry it sampled little child running wild by curtis mayfield from the superfly lp and i remember being like yo i'm coming coming correct <laughs> with this sample exam i'm going with can con it's a brand new song curtis mayfield superfly you kidding me that was a lot of fun a lot of fun to do that ah looking back on the yeah, old days memory we didn't have kids nope oh, no, oh, no, dude. No, no, yeah. no kids in the mix but now it's all wiggles all the time at my <laughs> house uh we got a spotify playlist that i put together of goldie's like 120 favorite wiggle songs i will say right off the bat credit where credit to the wiggles are not as bad as I expected them to be when I just kind of thought generally of the type of music that a kid's going to want to listen to and uh, you know my tolerance for the repetition of those lists um, you know Goldie will, will she'll watch the wiggles anytime we were willing to put it on for her uh, but as far as listening to the music I don't really mind she'll ask for a song over and over she'll ask for it basically every time we get in the car and it's cool with me I, 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 like I said they're their music's pretty good, and and that's the stuff that she wants to listen to the most. Um, 
aside from the Wiggles, uh, we have a record collection at home, and oftentimes, you know, she likes to rip the records down off the shelves, obviously, um, by way of picking one, and uh, we'll put on, you know, there's lots of different records. Most of the records I kind of inherited from the collections of, like, my mom and my uncle, who just don't have turntables anymore, and so who kind of gave me a bunch of records. Uh, so there's lots of great, like, classic rock and soul and classical and cool music like that, and then Zoe and I have been building up a little collection of kind of more contemporary stuff that we buy brand new because they're records that we really adore but i don't have to tell you i'm sure about how dangerous it can be to record shop record collection spend a bunch of money i don't know anything about that <laughs> no siree yeah so we have a few you know uh ladies of the canyon by Joni mitchell is a record that i love to put on in the morning and that's you know really beautiful that that goldie kind of responds to uh another one that we play for her a lot is a seat at the table by solange uh moonshade pool by radiohead is another one that we bought when it came out that she really loved and there's a lot of them. Uh, Moon Dance by Van Morrison is another one. Um, anyways, we're trying to integrate music into her life that's not kids' music that she can actually remember and connect to and hopefully request. No, let's be clear about what we're doing. We're indoctrinating. We're <laughs> trying to. Sure. We're yeah. We're sure. we're basically trying to say, listen to this. It's good. And so hopefully when you're one day a bit older and you're hanging out with someone, they're like, hey, why don't you put on some music? And you go put it. They're going to be like, damn, Zadie. Uh-huh. Where did you hear that? And you're like, oh, it's just my old man. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah. My folks are cool. Yeah. So the Solange has <laughs> definitely been on there. Absolutely. That record's incredible. It And she even, uh, so we we played the new album, which, like, I, I don't love it as much. It's and I don't think good. Zadie does either, but she loves the song Stay Flow. She yeah. does love Stay Flow. Yeah. That's like, I feel like it could have been like a, um, uh, something left off of the previous album. Right. One of the things that's really difficult when you are playing music for your kid and it happened to, you know, recently was that, uh, you know, I put on a song or I put on a playlist and I'm like, Zadie, what, what, do you like this one? And she's like, no. <laughs> just very clear. And you're just like, okay, well, I guess we're moving right along. And then if I get a couple no's in a row right now, Dan, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. My go-to right now is Vampirina. So for, 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 for folks out there, if you don't know who Vampirina is, she it's a TV show. It's a Disney, Disney TV show. Uh, she's a vampire whose family moved from Transylvania to open a little B&B ah. in uh, Pennsylvania. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Nice connection. Um, they're vampires, but they're friendly. So it's not clear on the show whether or not they're sucking any blood. Right. Um, but... I think that that's actually a very big plot hole because I'm like, I don't understand how are they sustaining themselves? You know what I mean? Like this is a very, it's unclear to me how they're still alive if they're not drinking blood. Now she's got two friends, as I said, we are chatting about this earlier. I was like, there's two friends who come over all the time. They're always at her house. Uh. I think she's like I think these are the people they're feeding off of, but it's unspoken. A little subtext. Yeah, but really, that's just something I wanted to throw out there. I was just, it's on my <laughs> mind. It's weighing on me a lot. I just had to get it out there. But the show actually has a bunch of powerhouse pop jams. Like literally, when I heard the songs on the show, like like I you know maybe we were watching it and then later on Zadie was like, oh, I want the songs and just put it on. And I was like, wait, there's like a soundtrack for this. And I'm listening and I was like, wait, is that Taylor Swift? Is that Katy Perry? Like that's how crisp the songs sound like. There's I'm gonna quickly rhyme off a couple of the the uh, the titles. There's Find Your Inner Ghoul, which is a really about you know positive affirmation. You yep. you know you gotta find your inner ghoul. Uh, there's um, Oh, there's Transylvania Girls, which you know it's just a kind of a it's just an anthem, party anthem for the kids. Well, Katy Perry uh, type yeah, of reference kinda, there. It's, yeah. it's really it's it's there. There's the Boogeyman Boogie, 
uh, mm. which is a nice yeah. Do the boogeyman boogie. It is all tough. Do the boogeyman thing tonight. I don't know all the lyrics right now, but I'm working on it. I'm Excellent. working on it. Excellent. Um, the other thing which is like really good about Zadie right now is she does have an appreciation for good music. So when it's not Vampirina, my other go-to track right now, and this is, I hope, listeners, if you don't know this track, honestly, download that right now. It's Tyler, the Creator, Earthquake. Oh, Earthquake, actually, I haven't I heard say. this one. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally butcher it. But basically, the, the, the hook is like, you make my earthquake. You make my earthquake. And then Zadie loves this part. She's like, don't leave. It's my fault. And she'll just like that's all she'll sing. So we, like we were walking in the alleyway the other day, and she was just like, "Don't leave, it's my fault." That's and deep. Like, it's really cute when they actually know some of the lyrics. Yeah, and that's what I think is a crazy and amazing thing to watch. Is that like she's like, "No, no, I like this song," and like when it's on, I'm gonna sing it. I love that. I think <laughs> I mentioned in, in season one that from the the very day, or even before, you know when. Before Goldie was born, I would sing her this song, I Will, by the Beatles from the White Album. I would sing it I to her that. while she was in Zoe's uh, womb. And then after she was born, I have sung it to her literally every day of her life. Uh, every time I put her to bed, uh, so for nap time or for when she's going to bed at night. So she's heard that song, I'm going to guess, approaching, if not beyond 2,000 times mm-hmm. by now. Um, and she knows all the words to that. Or, you know, in the way that kids kind of sound out certain things, she knows knows an approximation of of the words dean i'm gonna just jump in for a second can you remind me of that song can you like just can i hear like a little bit of it like who knows how long mm-hmm. i've loved you you know i love you still and it goes on like that mm-hmm. yeah okay it's, that's what i was thinking it's a beautiful but, song yeah it is a beautiful and one. it feels particularly i mean I, I i love the beatles i you know i have to say so many people love the beatles uh but it feels particularly poignant for like a father-daughter type of vibe so she she'll sing along with that with me some nights some nights she just lets me sing it on my own uh but that's kind of the first foray uh outside of kids music which i also love to hear her sing and we love to sing a lot of the wiggle stuff together um and we try to put on like i'll try to play the rest of the white album (laughs) and she she just wants to hear i will over and over and over and sometimes she calls it i will or sometimes there's a part at the end that goes do 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 and so she'll say do 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 she wants to hear do 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 (laughs) which of course is is delightful but yes the indoctrination is real uh i intend to try to get her into more of the music that i love uh as as we continue to uh you know she continues to grow uh, and try to get away, hopefully, from from some of the more kid-like stuff so she can be cool and she can showcase the fact that I'm cool. Check it out. I'm going to just do like a little bit of a flash forward here. It's the future. Maybe maybe Goldie's getting married. Are you going to do... I, I, would you Would you dance to... Would, you, would that be the jam? Would 100%. That be the, nice. You nice. know I've thought about it. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Not that mind. I care. I don't care if she gets married or whatever. And Zoe and I joke. <laughs> this man. <laughs> Zoe and I joke that we hope she's a lesbian scientist. 
I think the world needs more. <laughs> it's like we joked that she's gonna have to come out as straight. <laughs> she's, she's straight. Sorry, Goldie. Speaking of the future, <laughs> if you're listening to this, it's your own. You uh, make your own future. That's though. right. But you know what? Lesbian scientists can get married too, and them and their dad can have a sweet dance at the wedding. I all think right? so. I think so. <laughs> yes, that's what it's gonna be. Um, yeah. No, it, it's nice to share that song. I've just been thinking, what other? Uh, maybe there's a Beatles song that can be my song with my son uh, when he's born or maybe Goldie wants to share I will but it, it does really feel like like our song uh, maybe maybe I'll try to, to capture a clip of her and I singing it together and oh, that put it on beautiful. here just so we can continue to impede on uh, copyright laws as yeah, much yeah, as yeah. possible hey, come after us don't yeah. come a, I, mean, a, I mean don't come after yo, us yo don't come after us though <laughs> Um, all right. Well, uh, another another fun little chat to bring us into our theme of the day. Uh, I'm going to be chatting with Aaron Magner of the Disco Biscuits right after this break. Okay. Very excited for this interview today. Chatting with. Aaron Magner, founding member and keyboardist for the pioneering electronic jam band The Disco Biscuits. Uh, Aaron's a member of many other bands as well, including the recently launched instrumental jazz trio Spaga. Aaron, thanks so much for being with me on Big Papas. Thanks for having me on. So let's get right into it here. You have uh, three boys and your first two sons are twins. Do you ever dress them the same? No, in fact, we deliberately dress them differently um, from birth. Uh, so they're identical. And we were obviously not able to tell them apart when we were first introduced to them. <laughs> right. So, you know, there, there's ways that twin parents have already figured out that we just follow their lead of like, you know, nail polish, um, you know, a little string around the wrist of one of them. Um, so and then when they were pretty young, we started dressing them in different clothes, not to give them different identities necessarily, but so that we could tell them apart. Right. That makes sense. Do you notice that other people kind of treat them as a unit ever and are, are there things to you do to maybe counteract that or kind of encourage their individuality i mean i feel like school definitely has figured out you know to separate them as early as possible i mean these two humans are about as close as i've ever seen two humans to be um you know they love each other more than i've ever seen two people love each other it's really <laughs> fascinating to to witness you know and kind of be a part of um <sighs> No, I mean, we follow their leads of what their, you know, individual interests are, and we, you know, help to express that. Um, but they are who they are, and they like being around each other more than anybody else. So, you know, we encourage individualism, for sure, individuality. But, um, you know, they, right now, seven years old, just want to be with themselves, you know. Um, there's other friends that kind of come into the circle, but they haven't even developed their own individual friends outside of the independent classroom set they're in. Right. Well, and they're, they're still pretty young. So your twins are seven and a half, and your younger son is five. How do you you track and notice the relationship between the twins and the younger boy so um you know they're all boys and the the youngest guy eli was trying to get into that wolf pack at a very early age right. but but he wasn't able to contribute you know like he couldn't he was younger he wasn't able to talk he wasn't able to have the same type of play that they uh that the twins were doing and then around i don't know three and a half he was kind of 
I, I want to say indoctrinated. I wish that there was some sort of ceremony, <laughs> but he was definitely accepted into the pack. And now the three of them are, you know, the a, a trio. That's great. Um, I wonder what kind of music you played for your kids when they were babies and maybe what kind of stuff you've tried to introduce into their lives as they've grown up. I mean, like any parent, you try and introduce your kids to the stuff that you like. And like most parents or like most kids, you end up just rebelling against your parents, right? right. <laughs> so, um, you know, my kids have not latched on to uh, the Grateful Dead. They've not latched on to the Disco Biscuits. They've not latched on to jazz. Um, they don't even necessarily latch on to the fact that I'm a musician yet. Right. Um, you know, and, and we bring them to... Very few Disco Biscuit concerts. Um, you know, loud noises definitely uh, affect them. So, and it's always a chore, obviously, bringing three tiny kids, uh, either for me or for my wife. So, you know, they the music that they like is the music that they're exposed to in the movies and stuff like that that they watch, which is interesting, right? And I, I kind of want to curate their musical selection much better because I judge people by their musical tastes. <laughs> Don't we all? Um, well, I kind of, you said something there that kind of leads me to the, a question I had, like, do your kids have a perception that you're a rock star? No. Um, my, my, one of the twins asked me just a couple of weeks ago, he was like, daddy, where's your office? <laughs> and I was like, you mean the room downstairs with my desk in it? And he was like, no, your office, like where you go to work. And I was like, oh, <laughs> okay. You know, so I, I, my wife and I have had conversations recently about, you know, making the effort to bring them to more concerts, uh, whether it's me or whether it's a different performer so that they understand that this also is a job, you know, it's a job that I love and it's a job that I'm very grateful for, but that it's a job and half the job is traveling to the destination. Right. You're actually traveling between shows right now at the moment with your bass player, Jason, who I understand is also a dad. Yeah. Yeah. He's got two kids. Um, so we're on route up to New York right now for a Spaga show. And is parenthood the kind of thing that pops up a lot between, you know, fellow parents in your industry? I mean, I feel like parenthood is the thing that pops up a lot with anybody that's parents, right? It's like this little secret that we all have. We all know the same shit that we're going through, you know? We hide it in different ways when we talk about it in different ways, but everybody goes through the same stuff. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely a lot of common ground with that. I mean, we were just together. Uh, he came over to my house 20 minutes ago to pick me up and did a car swap with his wife who pulled up five minutes afterwards. <laughs> and he had, he had his kids in the car and, you know, he was giving them to his wife so that we could take off to New York. It was basically like, here you go. Right. They haven't been fed and they're really cranky. Have fun. That's <laughs> <laughs> classic. Um, do your boys take music lessons or is, is having them play instruments something that's important to you? It is. Um, and, you know, it's interesting. And I'd like to have a quick conversation about this. So it's that fine line of when you need to really, like, push your kid into something that they don't necessarily want to do for them to discover that they're either good at it or they have to persevere in order to learn a new skill and a new talent. Um, you know, my kids, again, are still pretty young. So one of them definitely wanted to take piano lessons and, you know, we had a piano teacher come over to the house and everything like that and wanted to stop, you know, within, within the first year. 
And I didn't want to be one of those cliched parents that like, you know, forces my kid to take music lessons and then forever they don't like music lessons because they remember when their parents forced them into it. Right. So, you know, it's that fine. And it's the same thing with sports, right? You know, some kids don't like a certain sport or don't like sports at all, but you need to encourage your kids to do something and persevere so that they could end up figuring out for themselves whether they actually are good at it, whether they liked it or whether it leads to something else. Um, I don't know. It's that fine line of parenthood of, you know, how much you push your kids to doing something that they don't necessarily have the instinct to want to do. I'm guessing that you didn't have that conflict as a kid, that when you started playing the piano, it was something that felt natural and meaningful to you? Yeah. My my next door neighbor was the um, neighborhood piano teacher uh, growing up. So, uh, you know, all the kids took from her, um, as did I. And then I continued with it much longer than the rest of the neighborhood kids that, you know, quit pretty early as yeah, I don't know what the majority of the kids do, but I, I liked it. There was something inside of me that needed to be expressed. And I continued with it. And then after, you know, graduating from her, there was like a conservatory in Philadelphia that I went to as a young kid. And this was all like classical lessons, you know, at 10 years old and stuff like that. Um, and then at around 11 or 12, just didn't want to play anymore. I lost complete interest. Wow. And and I'd been playing at that point for five or six years. And my parents were like, okay. Um, and I stopped playing entirely for two years. And then at 13, on my own volition, was like, hey, I want to start taking piano lessons again. And my parents said, okay, let's find you a new teacher. And they found me a teacher by the name of Peter Simpkins that actually came to my concert last night, which is really cool. Oh, cool. Um, and he introduced me, we started playing classical, and then he started a few months later, he introduced me to jazz, and immediately I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that classical thing anymore, I just want to learn about this jazz thing, and that's kind of what set me on the path that I haven't looked back from. Thank goodness for that. So you started the Biscuits when you were in college, is that kind of the only job you've needed since then? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. How wild, how wild is that? Yeah. I mean... I had like a couple of summer jobs in, you know, high school and college, um, but then dropped out of college to, uh, you know, tour full time with the Disco Biscuits. And it's been 25 years now. The rest is Crazy. history. Yeah, that's amazing. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I say this all the time, like most, you know, most bands don't last, you know, nearly half that long. Most marriages don't last half that long. So <laughs> it's pretty wild. Well, speaking of the Disco Biscuits and Crazy, uh, you know, the band is known for attracting a party atmosphere. I wonder if anything changed for you in your approach or maybe even how you perceive the culture that surrounds the band after becoming a dad. Interesting. I don't know. I feel like everybody has their own path to maturity, right? Um, so my path to maturity, and I am far from far from full mature um it was my 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 partying kind of became a pick and choose your saturdays was my phrase you know um no point in partying on a on a wednesday and thursday and then all of a sudden it's friday and saturday um so i don't know i mean i guess you look at the world a little bit differently you look at your body definitely differently right. you know you, you right i mean we're all i'm in what how old am i now 43 so i have to work a lot harder you know to keep weight off i have to work a lot harder to feel better in the morning and you, 
you know, when you're young, you need to get that out of your system, if you will, in order to understand <laughs> that you don't need to, you know, be drunk in order to have a good time. Um, and the repercussions aren't necessarily worth it. I imagine your answers might be similar to kind of what you just said, but I wonder, have you ever thought about, you know, when your kids are teenagers, what you might say if they said, hey, I, I heard that the Disco Biscuits are like a crazy party band. What's up with that, Dad? I don't know, man. I'm like, I kind of look to my friends that have kids that are teenagers already to, you know, guide me with how you have those beginning conversations um, with your kids. I'm just not there yet. Um, You know, there's definitely, I've definitely been privy to conversations. That's like, you know, the the most impressionable thing that you need to make on your kids as they're going to, um, you know, go down whatever recreational path that they want to go down. And, you know, regardless of what you try to tell them is you really need to make sure that your kids know you don't mess around with pharmaceutical drugs. You know, that's like kind of first and foremost, right? Your kids are definitely going to figure out how to get beer at an early age and all that type of stuff. And, you know, I'll navigate that when I come to it. But I feel like that needs to be impressed upon your kids at a very early age. That's a good place to start for sure. Um, yeah, you, at least one of your bandmates has a big family that I know of, and I'm sure there are other prominent members of your inner circle that have kids. You know, you mentioned that you've kind of taken the lead maybe from some parents that have older kids. You also said that you rarely bring your kids to shows. Um, and I wonder, have like the backstage areas or other spaces that the band inhabits uh, have to make any adjustments at all as kids have come into the picture and started to grow up? So we do an event every year called Holidays. We've done it for uh, three years. Uh, the first three years was in Jamaica. The next three years was in um, Mexico. Three years after that was in the Dominican Republic. Then we moved it back to Mexico. And we basically rent out two resorts that are right next to each other um, and then sell all the rooms to fans. And there's a stage that's set up on the beach. Um, and it becomes one large beach party. And over the years, and we do it with a few other bands, um, Freeze McGee is one of them, um, Sector 9 is another, and then we'll bring in kind of uh, guest bands over the years. New Deal, a Toronto band, oh, yeah. um, you, you know, have, have graced the stage of holidays a few times as well. What's particularly cool about it, aside from the amazing aspect of throwing a concert on the beach for your fans, um, is that over the years, we've gone from those, you know, a bunch of silly musicians, you know, drinking on the beach to a bunch of silly musicians drinking on the beach that now have toddlers. (laughs) And it's grown, especially as it's not just, you know, members of the Disco Biscuits that have had kids, but also members of Umphreys and members of Sector 9. And we all bring our kids and it kind of becomes a, a camp, if you will, you know, to the point where... We refer to, you know, our kids. We're like, hey, you're going to go see your beach friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, the backstage. And, and you take a band like Humphreys McGee, and they've got a lot of kids between them. And their kids really enjoy their bands. And they, they, they're all in the same age range, so they're all kind of friends as well. Um, and it's, it's amazing. You see, you know, 14 different kids, whether they're kids of the band or kids of the crew, that are sitting on stage in a beach in Mexico watching their parents play or work the crew. It's really an awesome atmosphere to be a part of. We're, you know, we're a family. We're one big, giant, crazy family. Just continuing that journey toward maturity. 
There you go. Um, that's great. We're going to take a very quick break. I'll be right back with more from Aaron Magner here on Big Papa's. Once again, chatting with Nicole from Nama Mama. So I, I just got to ask, obviously you use these products at home. What's the most used product around your house and what kind of effect does it have when your family needs it? Ooh, really hard question. I would say the, the balm, the everything balm, is our number one staple in the original. Um, in our household, when anything happens, if you get a cut, if you burn yourself, if you get a bruise, we always say, put the balm on it. <laughs> and literally, we put the balm on everything, and it is our number one go-to product. Who told you to put the balm on? <laughs> <laughs> Nama Mama is on a mission to help families live better, healthier, happier lives by handcrafting all-natural artisanal products for mama, baby, and the whole family. Check them out at namamama.com. That's N-A-M-A-M-A-M-A. Nama Mama, put the bomb on. Welcome back. Chatting with Aaron Magner. Uh, now, most people obviously will know you as a musician, so we should take a little bit of time. I want to talk about your new project, Spaga. Uh, read a little quote uh, on Relics uh, that you describing that the songs you wrote for Spaga speak to a creed of resilience, of hard work, belief, and faith. I wonder if you've noticed any difference between the way you composed music and thought about uh, creating art before you had kids and now. Now once you're a dad wow that's a deep question <laughs> I, I don't know whether I have a concrete answer for that I mean I would like to say that you know I've done things like taken the uh, heartbeat of one of my kids and turned it into a kick drum oh, cool. you know uh, um, I've thought about it <laughs> I've sampled their laugh you know just so I can have it um, do I take inspiration from them? Yeah, but it doesn't necessarily correlate directly with the songs that I'm writing. Now, I'm not a lyricist as well, um, so maybe that's kind of part of not really seeing the reflection of you know, growth and parenthood right. into the music. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a part of me, you know, the growth of, you know, not just my kids, but, you know, growth in myself. Uh, has been reflected in music, you know, and what's particularly cool about the Spaga project is that I'm reconnecting with a previous version of myself, you know, this like 20 year old version of, of myself, which, which I, I once was, you know, kind of like really into jazz before I met the Disco Biscuits and kind of didn't look back from there. And that reconnection um, is particularly cool about this project. What would you say you were looking for when you set out to create the Spaga project and what have you found so far in the results? So what I find most interesting is that I wasn't really looking for anything. I was just making music for the sake of making music. And then like most things in life, one thing organically leads to another. Um, and with the encouragement and support of, you know, friends and family that are like, this is good. You should, I don't know, explore this a little bit more in depth. Um, and then kind of had like, you know, the, the blueprint for one or two, three songs, and then quickly wanted to make it into a trio environment. And I brought Jason Fredicelli into the fold, um, 
knowing precisely who I wanted to be the bass player of the project. Um, and then Jason introduced me to Matt. So, you know, everything took its organic path. What is the experience of Spaga offering you that's different from what you get out of the Disco Biscuits? Spaga is mainly a piano-driven project. The Disco Biscuits is, um, though there's, you know, definitely piano and organ in the Biscuits, there's a lot of synth stuff. Um, you know, there's, what we do with the Biscuits is kind of like, we refer to it as transfusion. It's more like electronic rock. Um, and Spaga is more jazz-oriented, and therefore it's just me stripped down to, you know, my first instrument, to the piano. Um, and with that comes a lot of... Um, the bells and whistles, you know, are, right. are out of the picture. Right. I'm more, I'm more exposed. My personality is more exposed. Um, and I can't hide necessarily behind a lot of like the, I don't want to say spoken mirrors, but you know, when I have an arsenal of synths that make just incredibly cool sounds by playing one note, <laughs> you know, there's ways that you can just hide behind that. The piano is a true reflection of, you know, my musical personality. So that's being expressed a lot more. Well, in case there are any big Biscuits fans out there who uh, aren't interested in parenting and have been hoping we'd get into some more Biscuits-related uh, subject matter, <laughs> I assume they'll like this one. You named your band Spaga after uh, what's probably your most beloved original composition as a member of the Biscuits. It's a song that I think is at least 20 years old now. Do you have any favorite live versions of Spaga that come to mind? <laughs> I'm at the point of my career now where I, I say this where I can't really remember decades anymore. Sure. So no, there's not one definitive version of the song Spaga, which interestingly enough, the band Spaga does not play the song Spaga. Right. right. Um, um, though maybe we should. I'm sure if they are listening right now, someone's out there saying Majestic 01 is so obviously the best version. Um, is that in, is that in Toronto, the Majestic? Where is that? It's in Detroit. Detroit? But in right, among right. Toronto Biscuits fans, let me tell you, Aaron. Okay. <laughs> Bar none, the, the favorite. No, I'm, I'm uh, just uh, throwing a bone to those Biscuits fans out there listening. Uh, well, here's another one for them. The, the, the Biscuits, after many years of doing little sporadic kind of tours uh, and kind of destination shows, you've just announced uh, a big tour and teased that even more to come. Uh, what can you tell me about the decision that led to that and, and what you're looking forward to actually? actually kind of getting back on the road with the biscuits. Uh, I'm so looking forward to getting back on the road with the biscuits. It's been a really long time since we've done an extensive tour. Um, and, you know, I don't know how extensive uh, the dates that we just announced were, but we have certainly made a deliberate effort to recommit ourselves to each other, which is particularly cool. You know, again, being a band for 25 years is crazy that we could even get to this milestone um and i've always i've always been so anxious to see what the what the potential of the disco biscuits can be you know it's one of the reasons i, I do love this music and i love the band um but it's one of the main reasons that i'm still in this band um is that i always know that we have so much more potential and i just want to see what that potential is so you know this recommitment to ourselves and to each other um, is awesome, and it probably took until this point in our career to, you know, to have this type of commitment where we're ready to see what that next step is going to be. Um, you know, everybody has different timelines that they go through, whether it's, you know, family and having kids and getting married or whatever the deal is, um, and you go through them, those timelines differently. So it's kind of cool to all be in the same place in our lives right now um, where 
the one thing we do have in common is that we want to see what the next step is. That's very exciting. And uh, as much as, as I would like to talk to you about what the experience of playing the Haymaker in 2002 was like or, <laughs> or to debate the merits of fall 2007 versus summer 2009, you did just kind of bring us back to family, and that's what we're here to talk about. Will you bring your kids with you on the road to any of these upcoming tour dates? Never. <laughs> Excellent. My, my wife and I say that all the time. So, so um, my wife comes to... Um, know the fun shows right you know she picks and chooses her saturdays as well right. um you know so she'll come out to like you know red rocks and she'll come to camp bisco um and you know my wife is not only one of my biggest supporters but she's also a fan um but you know i forgot where i was going with this what was your question <laughs> <laughs> well it was a definitive and concise Will I bring my no kids? no kids got no it kids. <laughs> yeah i mean we say this all the time you know when when we come to campusco and other bandmates you know bring their kids to campusco there's a water park there right. you know it would be a place that would be conducive to bringing kids but our kids will never know what campusco is because that's our release Nice, nice. Uh, just a couple more here before I let you go. I wonder if you have a favorite memory, whether it's a specific moment or something that recurs, that's an experience that's your favorite thing about being a dad. Wow. Oh, I mean, how do you pinpoint, right? How do you pinpoint what your favorite thing is? I feel like I, that's a really hard question. And I try and capture you know memories in the same way that everybody you know takes pictures on their phones and stuff i find that my memory is better with audio for obvious reasons and i like to capture the sound of my kids of the giggles because i feel like everything is in that laugh right everything can be reflected in the laugh of your kids and that laugh is going to sound so different at you know five years old and seven years old than it's going to when you know they're they're 15 and 25 and 35 and i you know sure hope they're still laughing at that age but that's that right there sums it up so i record audio of my kids laughing you know to remember um what that feeling of being a dad is like and so when i'm you know 55 65 i can always go back to those those recordings and have it summed up like that in a laugh well perhaps a tough question but a wonderful answer that's awesome um oh, did i do well with that answer you done good a plus aaron okay um Thank you. do you do you have a piece of advice or maybe a little philosophy that you would impart to first-time dads or parents who are maybe earlier in the game than where you're at i mean it's really like the the, the trite thing right you know there's no there's no instruction manual um it's follow your instincts you know, you probably have better instincts than you think that you do. Um, you know, expose your kid to as much as you can, um, as much as, you know, you're willing to and as much as they're willing to. And don't be too hard on yourself. Everybody fucks up. Nicely put. Aaron, I really appreciate, <laughs> really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today. Uh, I hope you kill it tonight in New York with Spaga. And I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing what the biscuits can cook up uh, when you get some momentum behind you on these upcoming tours. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Big Papa's. Please take a moment, if you can, to rate and review the show. It goes a long way and will be much appreciated. 
Big Papa's Season 3 is recorded at Audio Process in the Lynx Music Studios here in Toronto. Our engineer is Trey from We Create Media. Our theme song was written, performed, and recorded by Matt Warry-Smith. Our logo was designed and produced by Hannah Warry-Smith. Big thanks to our exclusive sponsor, Nama Mama. Check out their line of handcrafted, all-natural artisanal products for mama, baby, and the whole family at namamama.com. And don't forget to use our promo code to get 15% off your purchase. Big Papas, all caps, one word. We'll see you next time.